I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 65 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates or you can drop an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. So here we are back again, me and my good friend and special guest, Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tolls on Twitter. Give him a follow if you don't already. Lead, dynasty lead at the Football Guys and co host of the Devi Royale. We are contextualizing the 2022 running back class um, as it stands now that the draft is in the books. We got through the first, the couple of big hitters yesterday. Obviously, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, the third. Go back and check that out if you didn't see it or hear it. Um, but yeah, we are moving on today. We're going to cover some more running backs, talk through values, talk through what we like, what we don't like. So buckle in and enjoy the show. <laughs> The main event. Fight. Rounding out sort of last couple guys here that came in on day two, we've got your boy, James Cook. Uh, He came in round two, pick 63. So only 20 picks later. So let's not pretend like they're miles and miles and miles apart. Um, And he went to your beloved Bills Mafia. Now, I know I love James Cook. I think you weren't as high on him. But what are your thoughts? Sort of like obviously you're the guest and you're the Bills Mafia expert. So what are your thoughts on um, his landing spot? What are are your thoughts on his skill set and realistic kind of what are you expecting or hoping for production? So, so January Jeff is a pretty smart guy, but then like as the, the rookie stuff goes on, he allows Twitter to kind of break his brain and I'm an accountant. So I was working a lot through March and February and I allowed like other voices to seep in. I had James Cook as my running back for beginning of the process, like way back in January. So I was very, very high on James Cook and I even wanted to have him as my running back three. But back then, like we kind of thought Isaiah Spiller was a tier above and, and, so I'm I'm very excited about this landing spot, and it was one of those that you know I I kind of allowed some um, talk about Rashard White, some talk about Damian Pierce, like some of those guys to kind of trickle him down my ranks a, a little bit as like we kind of went through the process because he was a name that we weren't hearing a lot about, and and so he was in the Senior Bowl. He didn't play in the Senior Bowl. He had I believe he had something come up with his family and he missed that. And then he got banged up and so he didn't test at the combine and it, and it was one of those that like I was I was all in on the James Cook Express like at the beginning, but like I just wanted that like one tangible piece of evidence through like the lead up process to kind of back up like what I had saw and like my belief in the player. And then like I didn't get it. And, and so it was like one of those things where it was like, and I think Matt Corral is kind of the same way where it was like, I believed in him and, and like, but I, I never got the thing and, you know, he fell down the board. And so that, that's kind of where I, I landed there, but I love this fit. I love this landing spot. I think that he's going to be a major element in the bills offense. And I know Brandon Bean gave a press conference the other day about 
like seeing him as a sub package back. But I, I think that he was probably couching a little bit. I think that sometimes you need to, um, I don't know. Sometimes with this coach speak stuff, you have to kind of interpret what is going on here. And sometimes he might say he's a, he's a sub package back because he wants to make James cook mad and make him work harder and make sure he's ready to go. Or he might say that because he doesn't want, you know, they might be seeing expectations soar out of control. And so he might like trying to be like, Hey, like let's calm down a little bit on, on him. And I think that sometimes messages or reality, all the times messages that come through the media, there's purpose behind those. And so I think it was probably a little bit of like, well, he's not going to take over Devin Singletary completely like, and he's got something works. He needs to do. He needs to get his body a little bit more ready. Um, but I'm all in on him on, in terms of, like with Dalvin Cook in his ear, I think he's going to be ready for the NFL game. Like physically, he's going to make sure his body's at the correct point. And his skill set in terms of receiving is the best in this class. I, and I don't think it's really even all that close. And so the the explosive, the you know, his ability to run, we saw in the national championship game had a 70-yard run. And so that's going to add an element to the Bills offense. And part of me kind of thinks if you're one of these people out here that doesn't believe Kenneth Walker can catch and doesn't believe that he'll be any part of the the passing game then you should have James Cook above Kenneth Walker in your PPR, PPR rankings. And and because we know, you know, if James Cook is catching six balls a game and Kenneth Walker is not catching the ball at all, like those six points are very, very hard to overcome. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, love a lot of, of, of your analysis there. I mean, I, I, one of my prouder moments from, from the pre-draft process was sticking to my guns. Cause there's guys, like you said, where you get talked out of, and I regret that, you know, and there's guys that I always like end up being like, Oh, I should have, why did I listen, you know, to people and everything like that. But, but thankfully with James Cook, I t- stuck to my guns and I kept him at RB4 for me personally. I actually, before the draft, I, I um, pinned it to my profile on Twitter that I just went through and did something where I tried to come up with like, you know, like these guys, Lance Searline, all these guys that we love listening to and they, what they do for the NFL draft where they give them like a rookie draft grade. They say like, oh, this is a first round talent. This is a second round talent. I see this is a fifth round. So I tried to do that for rookie drafts. So I said right now, before we know landing spot, before we know draft capital, just for me personally, if I was doing, you know, rookie rookie drafts right now and I give him like draft grades and he was my RB4 and I gave him a high second round draft grade. I was like, I would take him in the early second round. That's just me based on his talent. And so then when he became the third running back, I was like, yes, vindication. <laughs> so no, I absolutely love him, man. Like I genuinely, um, I was looking at it the other day and I don't have all the numbers in front of me because again, we'll not make this a James Cook podcast, but um, you know, I mean, Zach Moss, I think got 30 or 40 targets last year and then you know, Singletary got 40 or 50 targets or something like that. And people are like, oh, he doesn't throw to the running back consistently. Like A, James Cook is by far a better pass catcher than either of those two guys like combined and even if you just take zach moss which pretty much seems to be dead and buried on the bill's depth chart at this point if you just take all the targets he got and give him and then give him like 40 or 50 percent of the targets that singletary got last year that's still going to be nice for for ppr leagues because you look at his home run speed you look at the fact that they're not going to be able to just overly compensate for him because they've got to think about Diggs, they've got to think about Shakir they've got to think about Gabe Davis they've got to think about Josh Allen so I think you know absolutely 100% I personally believe like his absolute floor is like a low-end RB2 
You know what I mean? Like I think just based on the pass catching, the the high um, profile of the offense and things like that. So for me personally, I absolutely love him. Uh, I I do love the landing spot. I think it's fantastic, and he's definitely solidly my RB three in this class now. It, uh, Spiller was my RB three, um, and he was obviously tumbled down the boards there, and so he's knocked down a bit on my post draft rankings. But he's definitely stayed right there and bumped up to RB three. I've tried to be like conservative in my rankings and my dynasty rankings because i don't want to be like crazy <laughs> and just like put him as like an rb rb14 or anything ridiculous but um just out of curiosity then so would you rather james connor or or james cook if you're in dynasty i'm trying to find where i've got uh connor okay so i've got james cook at 22 in my dynasty rankings and i've got connor at 30 so i would rather take james cook so i would just just bet on yeah. the youth there and um again it's just in playing in PPR leagues, you just can't beat a pass catching running back. And I think that that's like, there's a lot of, I feel like we have like this thing in our mind where to have a good running back, we think that this guy needs to have 25 carries and, you know, be able to rush for 115 yards. And it's like that element is not there in the NFL game. And and we got to be real a a little bit. And and that's where you got to kind of look for these guys that, you know, if he's catching five or six passes, a game and he's getting another five carries and he's getting to aggregate up to like 60, 70 yards and occasional touchdowns. I mean, he's flirting with running back one. And so like, I see so many people that that's like an RB one range. And there's so many people that are like, well, I don't see his ceiling as being a RB RB one. I just don't understand how he can get there. And it's like, you're you're not recognizing where points are coming from. And and this idea that you need this running back that's running the ball 25 times to have RB one is just not, cognizant and existing like in in the nfl game anymore no exactly yeah i know exactly that and you nailed it like i mean i did an article a year or two ago and it was like looking at all of the top 12 running backs the last five years or six years or 10 years i can't remember what it was and it was like you know talking about ppr and it's like one of the things they had in common was like every like the average targets for like a top 12 running back was like 80 targets, you know, or something like that a season. And it's like targets and, and catching the ball is such an important part. You know, the outliers are the Derrick Henry's. That's not who we're shooting for. Cause those guys don't really exist. They're, they're a bit of dinosaurs now, you know, like we don't, you know, we're not getting those guys who get 35 carries a game and, and only two targets, you know, like you want the guys who, cause most places are going to be a committee. You want the guys who have the pass catching upside and are in a high powered offense, hopefully um, are going to get some, some options here at the, you know, and that's the, great thing about cook is that he can get a little dump off 15 yards away from the end zone and it can still be a a goal line opportunity for him because of his speed and his abilities he doesn't need that within the five yard you know because everyone says oh well you know josh allen's gonna steal all the goal line work and everything and again i just think it's 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 something like they're just i think that people have preconceived notions and they're just digging into them a little bit too hard they don't want to you know like obviously i really liked gibson at one point i've allowed myself to change on that. I've said, look, I like him as a player. I like him as a talent. I don't think that he's what people want him to be anymore. And I'm okay with that. I've adjusted my expectations. And I think that's one of the edges that you can get in dynasty is being willing to change fairly quickly and being able to say, okay, I wanted it to be this. It's not this. And I need to change and reevaluate. So hundred percent, I think he's about RB 23 in my dynasty rankings as well. So we're pretty close on that. Um, Moving on then here, we've got the next running back that was drafted was getting that sweet day to capital Rashad white. So we've already mentioned him briefly. He came in at round three, pick 91. He goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which at surface level seems like a really juicy landing spot. Um, But obviously there is a little bit of murkiness there with Leonard Fournette um, with the fact that, you know, 
we don't know what his defined role is. They do have a couple of burning backs there already. Rookies, you know, in that offense tend to be like slowly kind of eked in. Obviously, let's not forget Keyshawn Vaughn of a couple of years ago. RIP, some of my late first, early second round picks. Um, but yeah, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Rashad White? I love him in the passing game. And I think that the Buccaneers have been searching for that element with Tom Brady in the passing game. Uh, I think it's been a big frustration point bringing Gio Bernard last year. He was supposed to serve that role and he just, he's not Gio Bernard anymore. And so it was really absent. They kind of forced Leonard Fournette into that role. Leonard Fournette can do those things. He can, he can catch and he can do that, but this feels like a pick kind of to address that role. And you know that the upside is through the roof. I, I mean, Bruce Arians drafted him and Bruce Arians was around David Johnson. And that was even a popular comp before the draft of David Johnson and Richard white in terms of receiving ability and a guy that you can line up outside as a receiver, but also has the physicality to be a true bow cow back. I think that in terms of natural instincts running the ball, I have some concerns there with Richard white. I don't know that he's the most, um, he definitely tries to shy away from contact a little bit. And I think there's some questions about him. You know, he he always just wants to bounce the ball outside and he's going to have to overcome that and learn not to do that in order to be really reach that upside. But in terms of, again, we, we just spent however long talking about, running backs who catch passes. And I think he's going to be another guy that catches passes. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think you're right. I think we got to remind ourselves of that. Um, so he was my RB six pre-draft, I believe. And so he comes in as the fourth running back drafted. Um, so he doesn't really change much for me in my, in my re, you know, running back rankings there, but yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely upside, definitely interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much of a role he gets straight away with Leonard Fournette being there. I think um, that'll be a really interesting thing to see. So I think he's certainly worth your worth picking up in your rookie drafts but maybe just manage expectations. I know we like to get excited and get hyped about, you know, what we're going to see, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's, if he's, um, you know, does well and is really beneficial and, and helpful to your roster in his rookie year. But it also wouldn't surprise me if it's a little bit of a slow burner and he doesn't start really contributing to later in the year, because Tom Brady, uh, like you pointed out earlier, he's one of those guys, he doesn't want to get popped on a blitz. You know, he doesn't want to get, um, you know, so if he's not picking those things up in his past pro and, and in practice and, and when he gets on the field, he's not going to be seeing the field as much. So yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting one there. The next guy that was drafted was to, for me, it was a surprise. It was the biggest running back surprise that we'd had up to this stage. Uh, Tyrion Davis price came in at round three, pick 93 to the 49ers of all places. So that obviously, I think this has been really funny to watch the mental gymnastics as well of Elijah Mitchell truthers, because they've been like, Oh, he's a jag. He doesn't matter. Uh, he's a bum. He's not going to do anything. And it's like, okay. And that, that might be the case. It could very well be the case. I don't know, but it's just funny to me that, you know, it's, because it impacts somebody you love, <laughs> there's an immediate like, um, you know, everyone loves Rashad White and everyone's excited about his landing spot, even though Leonard Fournette's already there and established as somebody who Tom Brady loves. But then the minute Tyrion Davis Price comes in, like literally two picks later to a landing spot that for fantasy could be very juicy. Um, everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter because they love Elijah Mitchell, who was picked in the sixth round last year. But what are your thoughts on Tyrion Davis Price? I mean, were you a big Tyrion Davis Price guy before the draft or where, where are you with him? I think I remember you tweeting something about him and um and the guy they picked last year so i'm i'm guessing you're not a huge fan of Tyrion davis price but what are your thoughts on him well sometimes i think sometimes people take things a little bit too seriously and sometimes i like to just go with the low-hanging fruit on terms of a joke but um you know i i think it's 
he was a guy that pre-draft I was kind of circling in the back of my mind, like feeling like maybe we are too low on this guy because um, he's built, you know, he's like almost, I think 240 pounds or very close to it. And then he ran like a four, four. And so like, pardon me, is like, why are we ignoring the 235 pound back that ran like a four, four? We should probably be look, looking and recognizing at that. Um, LSU was a complete mess last year. And so he had some big games. He almost beat Alabama by himself in an offense that had no passing element to it. But it, that was kind of a, a game that stood out. And I remember watching that game because it was one of those that there were other backs that I think that we in the Debbie community were a little bit more excited about for LSU and Davis price kind of took over the, the backfield and he had a great game against Alabama. You know, it's yeah. I made a joke about him. The, uh, that the 49ers had taken Trey Sermon two years in a row in the third round. and But I think that this is reality is he's much more athletic than Trey Sermon, and he's going to have uh, a role. And, and so it, it is worrisome for, like, I was somebody that I believed in Elijah Mitchell before, but just the different types of running backs with Kyle Shanahan is really where you have to circle it in your mind because it, to have Shanahan come back two days, two years in a row, take a bigger back in round three. And this guy actually has the speed to run in Shanahan's system. And we we know that that backfield can be very unpredictable game to game. And part of that's probably by plan, by to scheme up against the opponent. And part of it's probably even when you're in the game, going with the guy that's feeling a little bit more. And, and so that's where whatever you thought about Davis price pre-draft. I mean, you have to look at him now with day two capital, look at a big back with that athleticism, look at a situation where he could be in a, a committee. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know that I want to draft him in my rookie drafts because I don't know when I'm going to play him. Like it's, you're like stepping into that situation of like, well, when I'm going to going to put him in, like, do I need an Elijah Mitchell injury to know to play him? Or I mean, maybe he just takes the backfield from Elijah Mitchell and, and that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world, but it's, it's one of those that you've got to value him highly. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent with you because I think, I think the ideal scenario to draft him is when you have like a handful of thirds, you know what I mean? Like if you've only got like one third round pick and you're like, Oh, you know, it sucks. It feels dirty taking him in, in the early, you know, early to mid third round when you've only got one pick. But if you've got like three thirds that you've just kind of stored up, I would definitely take a shot on him because then you can just throw him on your taxi squad and see what happens because you know we were all looking at Elijah Mitchell in the third, fourth round or undrafted last year. And then he ended up popping pretty early and we, you know, obviously it was massively wheels up for everybody. So hundred percent, I think. And, and again, guys, it's, it's Shanahan. Like how many times is he going to do this to us before we learn not to trust him? Like, let's not put all our eggs in one basket with Shanahan. Like, seriously he's done this to us with lance he's done this to us with you know he's done this to us with sermon he's done this to us with you know Tyrion davis i mean how many running backs raheem Mostert? um you know the list goes on and on and on i mean he, he doesn't care about your fantasy teams he cares about the nfl and he cares about that's one of his calling cards is being able to game scheme up like the hot hand approach basically and not even just the hot hand approach in terms of the running back room but like he can say this game is a Kittle game and we're going to funnel everything through Kittle and then you know what next week it's a Trey Lance game and every he's just going to rush 40 times and then next week it's going to be a you know whoever the jag that we picked up off the waivers this week it's just that's part of what he does and we just got to learn to roll with that there is value to be had there but let's not get overly excited um but yeah rounding out day two was guy we've already mentioned previously briefly Brian Robinson Jr. He 
He came in at round three, pick 98 to the Washington Commanders, no longer the Washington football team and certainly not the Washington Redskins. Now, this um, this pick, I, I liked it. Like I said, I actually really liked Brian Robinson. Again, this is somebody I just didn't go to go with consensus on a lot of haters. Um, well, a lot of people just saying, oh, he's just a jag and he's slow and he's blah, blah, blah and everything like that. But, you know, he, he was my RB5 pre-draft. Um, you know, I, I think, again, I'll not go too far into it because obviously I'll let Jeff, um, he's the guest, but I was quite happy that he ended up being what, like the sixth running back or so taken. Um, I felt fairly vindicated with my um, analysis on him there. So I was happy with that. Um, and I think he will be a value, but I'll let, I'll let Jeff go here. What are your thoughts on Brian Robinson Jr. Um, going to the commanders? So I think one of the funniest things that happens when you try to talk football on fantasy Twitter is if you were to say like, well, it'd be great if the Washington commanders added Brian Robinson, you get a lot of responses where people are like, that'd be terrible. Antonio Gibson, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, well, I'm trying to have a conversation about football and about how football works and about how you build a football team. Like, I'm not just, I don't care that you've got Antonio Gibson on your dynasty roster, like with this conversation. (laughs) And so I think that in terms of a football move, I think that this was a, a good move to some extent it was a good move for that backfield and having Carson Wentz as that quarterback being able to kind of create a rotation a real rotation in that backfield for a team that's probably gonna have to rely on the running game um I'm a little bit concerned where the Washington commanders must see themselves as much better team than they were last year and that's kind of and I don't know if it's one of these things where the seat's getting a little bit hot for Ron Rivera, but in terms of team building to use a day three pick on a running back in that backfield feels like a choice. And I know that it was almost a day around four pick, but I think that there were maybe some bigger concerns, but if this team can get back to, if we rewind our minds all the way back to 2020, I mean, they gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their Super Bowl year, a real run in round one of the playoffs. And that defense created problems that, that, pass that pass rush that defensive line is one of the better in the league they had a lot of injuries last year they lost chase young for most of the year last year and and they never really recovered off that the secondary was bad but they didn't get the pass rush time but if they're looking at it in terms of if we have a ball control grinding run game offense that can hit some occasional big plays with Jahan Dotson now and with Terry McLaurin down the field and allow our defense to win games, we could be a better football team. But again, this is a better football move than fantasy move. And you're really kind of, I don't know, it's we talk about Antonio Gibson dropping down the ranks, but the reality of it is buying in on Brian Robinson, even for both of them, it's almost you're you need an injury to one or the other, I think, to really have a guy that you feel comfortable starting one week. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it when you said, I mean, this has been my take. I mean, there was a lot of people really confused and upset and annoyed about Jahan Dotson in the first and then Brian Robinson, like, what are these guys doing? But I think you really nailed it. I think they think rightfully or wrongfully, I think they think they're contenders. I think they're like, Hey, we needed a quarterback. We got our quarterback, um, which obviously you can, you know, we can have, we can have a whole separate conversation about Carson Wentz. But to be fair, I would say he's probably an upgrade over what they've had there the last couple of years. So, you know, they've got Carson Wentz in the, in the building. They now have, and, and they probably looked at it and said, well, our defense is really good. We have one or two pieces that we need to fix. Our defense is really solid. Like you said, we were, we're in a fairly weak division, uh, even though, well, saying that the Eagles have really like upped their game a lot and stuff like that. But, you know, they're probably saying, okay, this division is always really competitive, really close. Um, we feel like we're really close. So we need another receiver to go with McLaurin. They tried a couple of different options that just didn't work out. They tried Deami Brown last year. He didn't really take. They tried Curtis Samuel. He was injured all year. So they're like, right, we're going to go out 
going to get us a big stud receiver to go with Terry McLaurin. And I really think Jahan Dotson is a very good receiver. So, I mean, I think getting Jahan Dotson, that's really spicy for their offense. Then they get Brian Robinson in because they really struggled. I mean, they were having to throw in Jarrett Patterson, which I really like, but he was a UDFA. They were having to rely on him, utilize him a lot. So, yeah, I think that they think they're really close. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But again, like you said, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, it'll be a wait and see with Brian Robinson um, as far as how much you can actually use him in fantasy. Going to put a quick pause on it there. I want to keep these episodes fairly short and digestible for you. Hopefully you've enjoyed that. We've hit the rest of those day two running backs. We're going to be back again this week with more, probably two more episodes covering off the day three running backs. So fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. And just try and sift through the weeds there and see if we can find some more value for those dynasty squads. And guys, if you're enjoying it, can I just ask, big favor, massive favor, 30 to 45 seconds of your life, could you please leave a rating and or a review on your favorite podcast listening platform? It really helps the show get out to more people and who wouldn't love that? I know I sure would. Appreciate you guys. Speak again soon. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate